A triple dog dare you. That's the title of the series that we're in right now. And if you weren't here last Sunday, let me catch you up a little bit uh, on the idea behind this series. Uh, last week, we introduced the mission of the church. I'm not talking about just Connect Church. I'm talking about the church, the church of Jesus Christ, the church that gathers uh, on a Sunday very often, gathers globally, has been gathering for hundreds of years. The mission of the church, the mission that Jesus himself put in place for the church. And then last week, we expounded on that just a little bit, and um, we kind of said, and here's how that mission looks uh, locally here uh, as part of Connect Church in Washington, Illinois. And in doing that, we explained that um, if you're here this morning or if you're watching us online and you would say you are a part of Connect Church, then you actually have a choice as to which chair to sit in. I'm not talking about which chair in the room this morning. I'm talking um, metaphorically here when it comes to chairs. You can choose to sit in the chair of a consumer or you can sit in the chair of a contributor. So as you're a part of Connect Church, do you choose to sit as a, as a contributor or a consumer? And last Sunday, we talked about the difference between the two, but let me just kind of summarize here real quick. You see, when Jesus introduced the mission of the church, he kind of set in place the idea that the church isn't a place, a building that we come to on a Sunday morning, spend an hour, check a box, say, yep, I've been to church this week. I can check that off my to-do list. When Jesus was talking about the church, he was talking about it as a group of people together on mission. So uh, a consumer tends to come, uh, visit, check off the box and leave. A contributor says, no, I'm part of something big here. I'm part of something very important here that we call the church. And last week we finished by triple dog daring you to make that step, if you've not yet done so, from consumer to contributor. Today, we're going to start the first of three challenges. So today, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, we're going to look at three areas here locally within Connect that you can engage, that you can, that you can be more of a contributor. What, what that looks like here at Connect, what it looks like in these three different areas. And I hope you'll join us for all three. I hope if you can't make one of them, you'll, you'll listen online or you'll try and catch up. Because um, here at Connect, maybe you've been a part of another church in the past that had a membership process. Uh, we've never had a membership process. But what we do here as a leadership at Connect is, is we are able to kind of gauge people's commitments to Connect, their, their membership if you'd like. And, and there are actually three big areas that we use to sometimes kind of gauge whether we look at somebody as kind of a member of Connect or maybe just more of an attender. Our desire, our goal is that everyone would move to that, that, that membership role, move from being just an attender to a member. Not for us, but for you. Because we think that's where you'll start to really grow in your faith and start to experience more of God in your life. So there are these three areas that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks that um, we kind of have like a barometer. We can kind of measure people where they're at in their walk with Jesus. And the first one we want to look at today, it's very simple. It's telling others. Telling others. One of the, the metrics we could use, one of the ways we could assess whether somebody is, um, you know, following Jesus, considers themselves a, a member of Connect, not just an attender, is that they are telling others. You see, last week we learned that Jesus, he tasked his disciples with a mission. 
Uh, we read from Matthew 28, but it's actually at the end of Mark, Luke, John. It's even in Acts, this phrase that was very important to Jesus. One of the last things he said to his disciples before he left them. Matthew's account puts it this way. Therefore, this is the words of Jesus, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You know, this weekend is Memorial Day, and I know many of you will probably gather at some point for some family get-togethers, maybe a cookout. But the reality is, I hope all of us at some point pause over this weekend and, and remember the true meaning behind the holiday, and that is to remember the great sacrifice uh, that many have paid to allow us to sit in freedom here this morning. And what an appropriate weekend to remember that the mission that Jesus tasked His disciples with to go out and tell all nations was that he too was gonna to make the greatest sacrifice. He said this right before he laid down his life for all of us, for every one of us. He rose again. His miraculous death and resurrection is the foundation upon which our faith is built. And he tasked his disciples with this mission. I want you to build a church that will grow and grow and grow and that will proclaim this great truth, this great message to people for years to come. This mission began 2,000 years ago and it's still as important today. And like I said, one of the ways we measure whether someone is engaged here at Connect or not is if they understand that mission themselves personally, if they understand who Jesus is, and then they choose to say, not only do I understand who He is, not only do I understand the difference He's made in my life, I want to tell others. I want others to experience what I've experienced. Now, in order to do this, in order, if we're going to be a group of people who are telling others about what Jesus has done in our lives, it'll sometimes involve us connecting with people who don't yet know Jesus, and that's not always easy. Listen to something that happened once during Jesus' life when he stepped out to meet and tell some others about himself. In Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. I have to wonder if Matthew had already kind of seen Jesus from afar, that Jesus was aware that this guy was, was curious, had been seeking after Jesus. And then one day Jesus says to him and says, hey, follow me. Because instantly he got up and he followed Jesus. We don't know how long after this, this happens, but we know here in verse 10 that later, Matthew, who'd probably been with Jesus long enough now, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Matthew's got this great plan. Jesus has changed his life. He's turned his life upside down. He was empty without purpose, and he encounters Jesus, and his life is forever changed. And he has this group of people like him who he hangs out with, and he really wants them to meet Jesus as well. He wants them to experience the same love and grace and mercy and acceptance as he's received. Because in his day, Matthew, as a tax collector, was, was thought less of, was one of the outcasts of society. And suddenly, this man, Jesus, shows him love and acceptance. He wants all of his tax collector friends to know this. So he has this party at his house. 
and he invites all of his tax collector friends and he invites Jesus and all his disciples. And he's hoping and praying that something will happen in that house that day. That darkness and light will come together. The people who are lost and broken and hopeless will suddenly encounter through Jesus and his disciples life. It's a wonderful idea, a great plan. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? That's a real pastoral, heartfelt, lovely question to ask. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call those who think they are righteous. Sorry, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is such an important phrase that Jesus says that that should grip our hearts this morning when it comes to telling others. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I wonder if any of you know who this gentleman is here in this picture. Anyone recognize this, uh, this fellow? This is Robert Liston. Some of you may know Robert Liston. He was a famous British physician and surgeon in the early 1800s is when he operated. Now, Robert Liston was quite famous in his day. He was actually known as the fastest knife in the West End. He could amputate a leg in two and a half minutes. That's a reputation to have, isn't it? Now, now you might think, well, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal. You need to realize in the early 1800s, anesthetic hadn't yet been discovered. (laughs) Yeah. So the faster you could get that leg off, the better. (laughs) So somebody who could cut someone's leg off in two and a half minutes was very sought after. One of his uh, notable phrases that he was known for was he would have a crowd of people watching him in the galleries as he would perform these surgeries. He would say, time me, gentlemen, as he's rushed around the He was always looking to get faster and faster and faster. Crazy stories about this guy. There's a story told about a time that uh, in a surgery, he was aiming to beat his record of two and a half minutes and he was moving so fast that he accidentally cut off his assistant's three fingers. As he's swinging the knife in this, this, this hurry, there was another um, student, medical student, looking on. And as he swung his arm back, he cut the uh, outer garment of this student. The guy was so scared, thinking he'd been cut open, that he collapsed and fainted. As the story goes, later on, sadly, the man whose leg was amputated uh, got gangrene and died. The assistant whose fingers were amputated, sadly, also got gangrene and died. And the guy who had got slashed just his garment was so scared, it said that he passed out and died. (laughs) It's the only surgery on record with a 300% mortality rate. (laughs) And yet people still lined up to see Liston if they needed surgery. And do you know why? Because his death rate was only one in seven. (laughs) Only one in seven people would die after having an amputation by Robert Liston. Now, this was amazing because the average in his day was one in four. So you're almost twice as lucky if you were with Liston than anyone else. But imagine this morning if you were world-renowned for some kind of medical specialty. Imagine this morning if you had some kind of gift, training, some kind of cure that you had access to. 
I would like to think that you would do whatever you could to use that to the best possible advantage. If you were here this morning and you were world-renowned at being the best at fixing people's knees and ankles, I hope you would be moving out to somewhere like Vale and Breckenridge where you'd be working on skiers all day long because they're the ones who need that the most. Or maybe you've, you've come up with a cure to leprosy. I hope you would move to Nepal or India where leprosy is still a huge problem and you could use your gift, your talent, your cure to heal as many people as possible. Because what would it be like if you had a gift or you had a cure and you made the decision not to use it? If there were people who were sick and dying from a treatable disease or a condition that you were able to help with and you simply made the decision not to help. That would be so sad, wouldn't it? Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, I didn't come to spend time with the well. I came to find the sick, the broken, the lost, the outcasts. I have the greatest cure to the greatest disease there ever was. Death itself. And I come to bring that cure. That cure is a relationship with me. Through a relationship with me, people can experience eternal life. Jesus said in John 11, 25 through 26, I, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. How selfish would it be if I didn't share this with others? There are so many of us here this morning who have discovered this cure for ourselves. The cure to death. We've made a decision to follow Jesus. As a result, our lives have changed and continue to change. The more we follow Him, the, the more we grow in our faith, the longer we go along, our lives continue to change. But the challenge is that some of us have forgotten what it was like to need a doctor. We've been well now for so long that all we want to do is, is hang around other people who are also well. People who believe the same as we do, who have the same morals and values as we do, who attend the same churches as we do. But this morning... I want to triple dog dare you to ask Jesus this question, who around me is sick? And how can I help introduce them to the greatest doctor there ever was? I believe that's the prayer of a contributor, not a consumer, someone who says, Jesus, you have changed my life from the inside out. I don't want to keep that to myself. I know there are, there are friends of mine, neighbors, family members, people I work alongside who don't know Jesus like I've known Jesus. And maybe, God, some of them are in my life because you want to reach them through me. I don't want to, to hide the cure. I don't want to hold back the cure. I want them to experience Jesus the way I have experienced Jesus in my life. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, you know what? Dave, I don't think I have made that a priority. 
now that you share that, I'm not sure that I have made that a priority in my life. I can't honestly say that, that each day I'm thinking, you know, who could I speak to today about Jesus? How could I share uh, this wonderful news of this wonderful cure, this great doctor? Maybe I'm not thinking about that as much as I should. And I want to assure you this morning that, that you're not alone. Even the disciples who followed Jesus struggled sometimes in this area. John tells us a story. Some of you might have heard this story before. He tells us a story. John's one of the guys who wrote about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John tells a story of uh, an encounter Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well one day. He and his disciples had approached this well, and uh, they decided to go off into town to get some supplies. And maybe they saw this Samaritan woman there and thought, well, we have nothing in common with her. We wouldn't normally associate with someone like that, so, so we have no business being here. We're going to head into town. And I wonder if Jesus realized, you know, I've got a choice here. I could hang out with my disciples. We've got so much we could talk about. We all think the same. We all have, you know, similar views. What a great time it might be going into town with them and shopping with them. Or I could break off from the disciples today. And I could cut across, I could go across the well here and speak to that woman who is here alone. And that's the choice Jesus made that day. To leave from his disciples, to go and engage, to speak to this lady. Now there was a reason that she was there alone that day. The women of the village would come and collect water from this well, but this was the hottest time of the day where no one would normally come. But there she was collecting water. We find out as we read the conversation between her and Jesus why she was there alone. Because she was filled with shame and embarrassment because of her life. We discover that she's been married five times and divorced. That the man that she's currently with isn't even her husband. And the reason we find this out is because Jesus tells her. In Jesus' conversation with this lady, he says, I know, I know your story. I know about the marriages and the divorces. I know about the brokenness in your life. She says, Jesus, you have to be a prophet. Only a prophet could know something like that. And then she starts to, to open up and, and share that deep down she has this desire to understand more about God, that she has this hope. She, she tells Jesus, you know, I've heard tell of a man who will come one day, someone who will come one day known as the Messiah. He will rescue us. He will come and he will bring us life. He will restore our relationship with God. Have you heard this story? Have you heard of this man, the Messiah? Because I'm searching for something like that. I know my life is a mess. And I hope that if this Messiah does one day come, that he would have room for someone like me. And Jesus says to her in that moment, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Now, many of you may have heard that story before, but I want you to really focus and listen to what happens next because this is the key, I think, that we can all learn from the disciples this morning. John 4, 27 to 30, just then his disciples came back they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? 
The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So picture the scene, okay? He's here at the well with this woman. He's just explained that he is the Messiah. The disciples who have, who have walked with him, talked with him, lived with him for years now, who know, who are starting to understand that he is the Messiah, they return from the town that this lady's from. And the first thing they think is, why would Jesus talk to someone like her? They've returned from this woman's town, a town full of people, who don't know Jesus as the Messiah, they return to Jesus who is the Messiah, and who do they bring back with them? No one. The disciples have told no one. But the Samaritan woman, because of her encounter with Jesus, she runs back and tells everyone. And the people came streaming from the village to see him. Listen to what happens next. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Dozens, maybe hundreds of people learned that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Who knows what happened in the history of that town? Maybe generation after generation became followers of Jesus and would tell the story. It all goes back to that one time that lady met Jesus by the well. We can all trace the beginning of our spiritual journey back to then. Why? Because she told others. When she encountered Jesus, she told others. Not even the disciples got it. They came back with no one. She came back with the entire village. So we here at Connect, we just place that as a very high value. We believe that there are many in our community and around the world who don't yet know Jesus. And we're on mission We believe part of the mission God's called us to be on is to tell others, to tell others about Jesus, like the Samaritan woman, to tell others of what he's done in our lives and others' lives. So this is the first of three ways we want to dare you this morning to step up a little bit, to show your commitments to Christ, to show your commitment to connect, to be more than just a consumer, to be a contributor in the way that we tell others. But let me just get real practical here in the last few minutes. Let me get real practical because what does it look like? What does it mean to tell others? You see, the truth is Jesus wants us all to tell others, to share the good news, to bring people who don't know him to discover him. The healthy, as Jesus said, don't need a doctor. The sick do. And and we are the ones to, to bring this wonderful news to those that don't yet know Jesus. But I want to assure you this morning that Jesus also knows that we're all different. That while he wants us to share our faith with others, he knows that every one of us is different. And I hope in understanding this this morning, this will liberate some of you this morning from that fear you might have that you're not good at telling 
others. Because here's the thing, I think there are some of you here this morning who are bold and extroverted and you're just loving. You're looking for every opportunity possible when you get alongside someone to tell them about your faith in Jesus. And that's fantastic because that's the way Jesus has made you. I heard a pastor talking recently, he explained that he had friends who, whenever they took a flight, they would pray that God would put them in a seat next to an atheist or an agnostic because they knew that they had hours then to get into a conversation and talk to these people and answer all the difficult questions and, you know, get into like a debate and share, you know, what they understood about Jesus and the Bible. And this pastor friend of mine, he says he felt bad when he heard that because he would pray that he'd have an empty seat next to him. so that he could stretch out and not get stuck sitting next to some weirdo. (laughs) He said, I don't look forward to those kind of conversations. They're not easy for me. When those guys show up on the bikes and the white shirts, I hide in the basement, he said. I'm not good at those intense debates. And maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you're like, Dave, I I know you're saying I should share my faith and I believe that and I wanna do that, but it's really difficult for me. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? What if they push back? What if... And and it can be tough for some people. But there are still other things you can do. You know, it might be as simple as just sharing about this church that you're a part of, that you love going to, and, and, and you'd love it if they would come and join you. You'll save them a seat. You'll meet them at the door. You'll sit next to them. You'll buy them a cup of coffee. You'll help them get their kids checked in. It might just be as simple as saying, hey, I'd love for you to come along and join me at church one Sunday. There are many here this morning whose story began because someone invited them along. I know of families, I know of individuals who've been baptized here at Connect and their journey began through an invitation of a friend or a family member or a neighbor to join them at church. Maybe you're not wired in such a way that you can get into these deep discussions and these intense debates. Some of you are and that's fantastic. But for those who aren't, it might simply be just an invitation. And there's another way that we can all impact those around us, that we can all share our faith with those around us. And that's just by living a life of Jesus following in front of them, showing people what a difference he's made in our life. The joy you have from following him, the love and grace that you have for others as a result of the love and grace that you've received from Jesus in your life. You have no idea the impact that can make on other people. Just just living your life for Jesus and living differently because of the difference he's made in your life. A few years ago, uh, this was maybe four or five years ago, maybe even a bit longer than that, uh, I was a member at Five Points here in Washington. I would go, you know, several mornings a week and my, uh, my workout routine basically consisted of me sat on the, uh, one of the stationary bikes upstairs. I'd have my phone there. I'd watch the show while I was doing it. Um, sometimes I got more involved in the show than the workout. I'd look down and I'd stopped pedaling, you know. So, I mean, you can tell the type of high energy, you know, workout I was going for, okay? But I felt good. I spent half an hour on the bike and I went home and I'm, yep, I did it. So uh, I remember walking in one day and my friend Drew was walking in at the same time and he says, oh, what are you up to today? I said, I'm gonna go upstairs and ride one of the bikes. He goes, oh, I'm here as well to do a, a bike ride, but I'm doing it in the spin class. I'd never done a spin class before. He goes, you should come join me in the spin class. I was like, well, it's a bike. It can't be much different, right? <laughs> so I was like, I'll come. 
I should have known my first problem when I walked in. I was the only one in the room with no water bottle or towel. Everyone's got towels and water bottles. You don't need a towel and a water bottle when you're on a stationary bike watching Netflix. You know, you just never really needed it. Here I am, and to my horror as I walk in, my good friend Jen, who is a member here at Connect Church, was leading the class. So I didn't even get to kind of sneak in the back. She's like, Dave! I mean, the whole class there, she goes, it's my pastor! She comes here to Connect you need to come up here to the front. I was like, do I? (laughs) Do I really? (laughs) She puts me front and center on this bike. And if you've never done a spin class, they're fantastic. They're awful, but they are fantastic. Uh, Jen's spin classes are particularly high energy. I mean, she really works you hard. I mean, I'm up and down and I'm pushing. And and throughout the thing, she's like, come on, everyone. Let's give it a shout out for Dave. Look at Dave. I was like, stop putting all the attention on me. I'm dying up here. I think the class was six hours. Uh, it, may have been, <laughs> it may have been 20 minutes, but when I got off the bike, it felt like I'd been riding for six hours through the European Alps. And <laughs> I was a mess. But here's why I tell that story, because Jen, brilliant friend of ours, great member here at Connect Church. I got to hear a little story recently about Jen. So if you know Jen, she's a, a regular there at Five Points. And we had a baptism service just recently. One of the guys who got baptized, he, he shared his story. We always do a video beforehand. And, you know, we ask people, what was it that led to your journey of faith? He said, well, and he's here this morning. I actually asked him the story to get, make sure I was correct in my story. And, and he told me again, he said, I just retired from Caterpillar. I've been working there all my life. I was at a really low, dark place in my life because after working all my life, I suddenly was like in this place of like, well, what, what's my purpose now? He says, well, I would go to the gym every morning. I'd work out for like two hours because I just really wasn't, you know, I was seeking, I was searching. I was here at the gym working out for two hours every morning. He was friends with Jen. He was just working out one day and he looked across and he could see Jen was having this conversation with someone else. And he said, then they, they were hugging and he's like, it was weird because they just kept on hugging. He's like, what's going on there? And, and he looked across and he realized they weren't actually just hugging, that she was praying for this person in the middle of five points. And if you know Jen, you'll know that's absolutely no surprise at all. He said, in that moment, he said, that's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Is something like that. Is a faith that would drive me to love Jesus the way Jen loves people. And he, he said he went home. He spoke to his wife. He said, we're going to church Sunday. He says, you haven't got to come to church if you don't want to, but I'm going to go. She says, I've been praying for ages. I want to go to church. I was waiting for you to get ready. They started attending church, and then in our last baptism service, he'd never been baptized. He asked if he could be baptized. We baptized him here. And do you know what? During our baptisms, we we give people the option to have someone baptize them. Maybe it's somebody, a parent or a friend who's walked alongside them, helped them in their spiritual journey. He said, I'd like Jen to baptize me. We reached out to Jen, and she said, why? (laughs) Why do you want me? That was the first time she got to hear a story that happened years ago of how Jesus in her life impacted others. We can tell others just in the way we live our lives, by living differently, by loving people the way Jesus loved people. And some of us, we may be brave enough to to go the extra step and say, hey, would you join me at church one Sunday? I'd love for you to come and, and see my church. Some of us, we can have those conversations in the living room, say, let me tell you what I believe. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. Last week, I dared you to join the mission Jesus put in place for the church. 
today I wanna dare you in your personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, and as I'm talking about this, you may think, well, you know what, Dave? I kind of feel a little bit more like the tax collectors in the story. I, I feel like maybe I'm still in that place of what Jesus would describe as sick, that I don't know Jesus the way you know him, the way Jen knows him, the way these others have spoken of him. I don't know what's stopping you this morning, but I would challenge you. I would dare you this morning. Pray that prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. Ask him to lead your life. We have a prayer team who are gonna be here after service. They would love to pray that prayer with you. It's a very simple just prayer of you saying, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. But if you're here this morning, you've already made that decision to follow Jesus. Let me ask you one last time, are you telling others? I pray this week there'll be an opportunity for you to break away from your comfort zone, to engage with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus that a conversation with you or an invite from you, from you to come to church could be the difference for them between life and death. So if, no, when you face that opportunity this week, I dare you to seize it. In fact, I triple dog dare you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much and we are so thankful, Lord, that Um, On this Memorial Day weekend, we can uh, also celebrate the greatest sacrifice ever, and that was that, God, you sent your one and only Son to die in our place because it was the only way that a relationship that was broken by the wrong things that we do could be restored. And Jesus, you made it so simple. All we need to do is accept you, is to, to believe in you, to choose to follow you, and we can experience the greatest gift ever. So Father, I pray for all here this morning, they would receive Jesus, they would accept Jesus into their lives. And and God, for those of us who have discovered the cure, Lord, we don't wanna hold on to it. We don't wanna hide it. We wanna share it with as many as possible. So give us opportunities, even this week, to share with others the great news of what Jesus has done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.